<laughs> Why are we clapping still? <laughs> uh, this is not a good start. Oh my god. All right. Hello and welcome. <laughs> Why have we gotten progressively more stupid as we kept doing this show? That's probably for the better. Really, it means everybody's getting more comfortable. Oh my god! Now we're not pretending anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, listen, guys. If you don't know by now that we're fuck offs, then you're never gonna. (laughs) Okay. Go. So I'm gonna eventually compose myself and start this podcast. All right. Hello and motherfucker. All right. <laughs> I don't want to host this episode anymore. Blake, you can do it. <laughs> yeah, Blake, be over here like uh, this week. We're gonna uh, talk about. To be clever. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to do that, that totally works. I'm fine with that. That's good. All right, oh, okay. three days, seventeen hours, <laughs> two minutes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go. All right. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to this Wednesday's episode of Midweek Matt. And I fucking cannot stand you. This week we are watching. We watched the uh, movie. <laughs> Fuck off! God, God damn it, Chris! Get yourself together, man. He, he Tell these me. people that this week we watched the WWE classic <laughs> Countdown, starring Kane, yes, Dolph well. Ziggler, who I think is like a far relative of Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> Maybe no, over what? there, like the first name. Is Are people with matters. the first name related now? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Overseas, he's Russian. You didn't know that? Didn't yes. you watch Rocky? You fucking asshole! Damn. <laughs> wow. Well, as I was attempting to say on this week's episode <laughs> of Midweek Matinee, we watched the movie Countdown. Um, it was interesting. I am your host, uh, Figs. Can we clarify which one real quick? Because I totally fucked the trail up. So if anybody's actually trying to pay attention, they're going to think that they are <laughs> supposed to have watched the 2014 or whatever, 16 yeah. version. We are talking about the 2019 PG-13 Take Your Girlfriend to the movie so you have an mm-hmm. excuse to get her to jump and grab your arm. Exactly, movie. exactly. It's okay. got the girl from you. If, you, mm-hmm. if you've seen that holy Netflix. shit that's where I knew her from yeah mm-hmm. yep her name is okay. Elizabeth Lale mm-hmm. I, was, I looked that up I didn't know who she was before that sorry Elizabeth anyway with me this week uh, is my friends Blake hey how's it going everybody Joshua hello hey there pal <laughs> and I'm introducing Brett last this week because I kind of wanted to give him a little bit of time at the beginning of the podcast to talk a little bit about his PlayStation show because in our little private group chat, we're doing a little bit of a trophy competition. And since everybody knows that we are working with Nartech, I figured I would give Brett a little bit of time to talk about that and then you know i can brag about my platinums and how i think i'm beating blake but i'm getting crushed by brett and we gotta go from there (laughs) it is what it is if you guys want to uh follow us uh, for the other uh, nartech work me and our buddy saul do a weekly playstation podcast where we talk about gaming at large but through the scope of playstation uh and yeah with that i am crushing and and i haven't even gotten a trophy in the last two weeks and i'm still crushing the game over here damn so uh just wanted you boys to know uh you gotta buckle up and get ready i've been working on as my buddy zach efron 
as my buddy Zach Efron would say, get your head in the game. Damn. Oh, I gotta so. get get my get my get my head in the game. Uh, but Josh, you did mention that you were going for two hard ones, so I want to highlight that for a second because you're going for Battlefront Two, and that's batshit insane. So I, I think that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Thanks. It, it's it's sure. inadvisable. It's it's one of those trophy lists that's just unapologetically garbage. Uh, <laughs> Fact. But I've played this game so much, it just mm. looking at a number that wasn't a hundred percent was bothering me, and I needed to correct mm. it. So here I am. That is exactly how I ended up with the Diablo three platinum. Well, that's impressive. It. That's impressive. Which uh, not advisable either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I will say before wrapping this up, the last trophy that I just got last night or the night before was one that I spent twenty hours grinding toward specifically just for that trophy. Did you get the 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 spaceship one? Yeah, that was the one. <laughs> oh <Holy> shit! shit. <laughs> Good for you. I think that's in it's in your uh, it's in your rearview mirror. It's nearly there. It's just that particular one is like I think like zero point six percent of people who've installed the game have that one. Yeah. Good lord. Okay. I mean, I yeah. when when I looked that up on my phone, I definitely was like, oh no, that's that's would be very impressive a platinum for you to get. Speaking of phones, this movie <laughs> <laughs> this movie is about a killer app, not like a Ooh. not like a good thing. Wow. But like a, oh, I thought you were talking about like Tinder. You know, that's like yes. a killer app, man. It is that. I mean, listen, depending on your looks, you could kill on that app. Uh, <laughs> but wow. okay, is that like an American Psycho reference? Or I guess it was like multifaceted. There were definitely like multiple layers to that, like an onion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the very easy Shrek reference on that one, but I feel like we should find a way to make a Shrek reference in every episode. Yes. <laughs> okay, we could do that. That'll be easy. That'd be made. the last time we mention it. By the way, we never say it again. We just we just say a Shrek reference and move on. We yeah. acknowledge it. We just move along. All right. The real question is, does it have to actually fit? Like, we just go donkey in the middle of a show <laughs> once a week. <laughs> I'd prefer it to fit, but if we're going to do that, we'll do it with some sneak edits, you know what I mean? Mid-episode. Like, you know, really, I thought the app was a good, uh, an, uh, it was a good background to a blue donkey! Just throw it in there, randomly. Mm. And not even the real donkey. Do the one from the office of Michael saying, donkey, I'm, I'm a donkey Shrek. <laughs> All right, let's, yes. we should probably get back on track. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> This is a, yeah. We're going on an adventure with this movie because, but uh, Brett, how did you feel about the movie? Um, so, uh, I, my wife and I watched it together, mm-hmm. and uh, it's one of those things where like it's not a fantastic movie in any sense, and and actually a lot of the times I was laughing at the movie, yeah. even when it was trying to be serious. Um, though I will give the movie tons of credit for introducing enough stuff to kind of reinforce that it doesn't take itself too seriously, which is nice. Um, but I was a little surprised going into a movie like this seemed like it would be really shallow. And this is probably the most notes I've had of any episode <laughs> we've done, which surprised me because I was just, you know, anytime something come to mind, I just kind of go typing it away. And I'm like, man, I have a lot of notes for yeah. a movie that I thought was going to be one of the quickest movies we've done <laughs> definitely so yeah i enjoyed it it's one of those things where it's just a it's a fun watch even though it's not really that original or refreshing in very many ways mm-hmm. that's definitely so. fair josh how about you 
Uh, I actually relate on the having a lot of notes aspect, although mm-hmm. uh, my notes are very superficial. It was more just like things that happened really quickly in passing that I, I thought would be funny to point out. Um, like, like the the cake stab when it's like initially establishing tension. And it's like, yeah. all right, we got to stab a cake, and that's just like such a trope. And like, I laugh anytime I see it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, like this movie was fine. I, I feel like the the premise is kind of like an idea that you come up with, like just totally not thinking about like anything related to movies, and it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, that'd be neat. And that's like about how I feel about the overall movie is like, eh, it's neat, I guess, but I don't feel <laughs> it like it existed. really is trying to do anything ambitious and like that, not that movies can't be ambitious, but like, it's not, I feel like it's not like overachieving and delivering the thing it's focusing on either. It's just like, eh, we had this idea. So here's a movie about it. There you go. Yeah. I think it's in such stark, uh, stark contrast. And I think that's part of the reason that I noticed that as well is that the last movie we did was uh, house of a thousand corpses, mm-hmm. which is, very focused on its goal sure and by contrast this just seemed like a like it was just, you know like well hey we're just here to have fun guys you know <laughs> serious yeah yeah i can definitely see that i'm kind of in the same boat as you where i thought it was it, it was good i guess it existed how about you blake what did you th- think of the movie yeah i thought it was basically what everyone else has said it wasn't bad but it wasn't great I enjoyed it. Yeah. I probably wouldn't watch it again. Although it did have <laughs> a really good scene about halfway through that I really enjoyed. The, yeah, I think uh, I know which one you're talking about. Just I'll just mention it. We can talk about it more in depth later, but the uh, hallway light scene with the younger girl. Mm-hmm. That whole oh, scene yeah, was yeah. fantastic, I thought. Yep. Hmm. Cool, yeah. So I think uh, for me at least, this is a movie with a surprising underlying theme for me and I'm wondering like what did you guys think did you guys have any and we can kind of get say, it to mind after that I, okay I was going to see what yours were what, what yours was and kind of go from there um, but I guess I'll kick that off just because I'm already talking uh, sorry to ramrod the conversation but uh, anyway uh, I guess for me and I guess this is not like it's anything crazy i wouldn't say that this is a hidden theme uh one of the things that it is it's it's weird i mean there's plenty of movies that look at the idea of the the inability or at least the ill-advised nature of uh trying to alter your fate Mm -hmm. and what i find interesting about that and i mean not in just some kind of crazy way but a lot of people kind of be like you know when you look at things like um the Lion King. People were like, oh, it's just a modern telling of some Shakespeare story or this is a modern telling of this Shakespeare story or this Greek thing. It's like every story, there's a saying that one of my teachers used to say all the time was nothing's new under the sun. It's mm-hmm. like it's just we're finding a new way to kind of wrap it up and present it. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's basic functionality is very similar. Um, this to me is the oldest thing that I can really think of that I remember reading into and just loving uh, is in Greek mythology, the idea of the fates or the more, more, I can never say the damn word, uh, but it's essentially the sisters of fate who go through and, you know, they, they weave the threads of fate and watch them and are set to ensure that people's fates go on without obstruction. And even though the movie interestingly chose to pull back into like a historical thing and try and give you, this what would you even call it it's like 
a weird it reminded me as dumb as this is it reminded me of the scene in tenacious d the pick of destiny where <laughs> okay. they have the hamstrung uh, history story of why the thing that is the catalyst of the movie is kind of doing its thing um it was kind of weird that it chose to do that uh i think it probably would have been cooler even though it'd be a little bit more on the nose to kind of look at the sisters of fate and how you're not supposed to deny them and the wrongdoings that can come from that it was interesting i mean i I liked that overall theme the only thing i thought was weird about the way they chose to reveal the historical backing of the curse or whatever you want to call it is that when they showed the picture of the i don't remember what they would they say it was a gypsy woman in the story yeah is that what it was it was? a gypsy woman okay. when she has the scroll out and it's like the exact same format as the phone app i'm like <laughs> that's so stupid <laughs> it's like so, the same font too yeah yeah it's like i mean it really was like consistent with their typefaces <laughs> I, it had a little bit of like a little uh, old english like oh we're gonna try and put a little thing here but it was so similar that it was, just, it, it was almost too on the nose where it's like that's not how this would work out but right. whatever Y'all yeah, know demons so. are very traditionalists. They don't stray <laughs> from tradition. <laughs> it's Times New Roman or bust. <laughs> if they have to settle for a serif font. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how about you, Josh? What did you think? Did you have any themes? Anything you uh, saw? Honestly, These underlying nothing, messages? <laughs> nothing. I, I'm, I'm not saying this at the movie's expense, that there wasn't really anything that stood out to me as being beneath the surface really other than uh-huh. sure like don't you know try to change your fate but it felt like those things were dealt with in such a very in your face level that there wasn't really subtext to it it was just like yeah. here's here's what we're discussing here's how it plays into effect but it felt very much like there wasn't a whole lot to read into it was kind of just like here's what's happening to the characters as they move forward with the story and mm-hmm. it's it's very you know, I, I mean, I, I guess the only thing that would stand out is that I felt like they were intentionally alluding to the Time's Up movement, uh, yeah. at least very specifically in, uh, you know, how, uh, you, you know, the whole discussion goes with uh, that doctor guy when it's like, oh, like he, he came forward before she got to and the whole mm-hmm. like him like using his leverage uh, to protect his own place of power. But yeah. also very on the nose in her line when she's like beating the shit out of him, and she's like, "Your time's up, you rapey fuck." And it's like, "Okay, I see what you did there." Yeah. So I, I guess I've never heard of that. I'm assuming the Times Up movement was kind of a precursor to the Me Too movement, or it was like this what? offshoots of each other, I believe. Not to it, misspeak. Yeah, it's more or less intertwined. Just Times Up being like you know it, the it, people not being quiet about it anymore, and people who. Yeah get away with that silence their time being up because the silence would no longer be protecting them sure i guess i'm surprised i've not heard of that but i guess maybe me too was a little catchier on uh the internet for people to mm-hmm. spread it around yeah. uh, it's not something that really came to any kind of real head in my local area so of course all my experience with it is kind of seeing reports of it happening around the rest of the you know the country so yeah interesting yeah I don't know. I did think that that line was one of those like you you really had to find a way to put that in there kind of lines. I didn't have an issue with it. It just seemed very like oh, okay, you know. I mean, yeah, it was one of those things where it's like I, I think a movie like this especially gets to get away with some cheesy one-liners. That so it's like I'm not gonna like it. That's one of those for me where it's like okay, yeah. it's there. It was one of those things where I was already laughing, and then you said that <laughs> so on the nose 
that I just keep laughing because of it. <laughs> it's kind of just continuing the comedy. Um, so we'll move on to Blake. I want to see, Blake, where you're at with this this whole thing here. Yeah, when it comes to themes, I think that it was very profound and deep in the sense that it was really trying to <laughs> warn its viewers <laughs> of the dangers of spyware when you download illegal apps on your phone. <laughs> this is, so it's an anti-torrenting movie. <laughs> No, would I, you steal a car? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I would. I don't really I didn't really think of any themes as I was watching it. Nothing came to me. I just yeah. kind of enjoyed it for what it was personally. I think obviously the fate one, but like Joshua said, it kind of beat you over the head with it, so it wasn't really much that I I guess when mm. it beats you over the head with it, you don't really it doesn't retain, at least for yeah. me. So I didn't really mm. even think about that until Brett said something. I was like, Oh yeah. So Maybe I know I'm, a couple times I did think of Final Destination while watching this, like more than a couple of times actually. I actually wrote in my notes mm-hmm. and everything. Well, okay, so technically this is true of Final Destination, and this might be where Chris is going. But real quick, I'll just slide it in there. Um, That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, completely ruined my <laughs> my, my state of mind. Uh, there, the the one problem I had with that, and I have with all of these movies, is that th- these movies that try and do that, like you're not supposed to be able to m- alter your fate without consequences and all this stuff, and then, of spoilers, if you haven't watched it, you shouldn't be listening to this, but. I always hate how these movies eventually end up beating their own themes over the head. Like I know it's, I know it's kind of ridiculous, but I was able to guess that she was going to kill herself yeah. from a mile away. And I'm as as clever as it was, and I'll, I'll give it its thing. As clever as it was to kind of bring back the earlier scene in the film where the person has overdosed and they uh, shoot her up with the what's that stuff called? Uh, I used to work at the hospital. Narcan. I'm not remembering it. Narcan, yeah. Um, I, it was a weird way to bring that scene back and kind of give it more of a meaning, which was all right. But ultimately, I actually think I would have preferred the movie a lot more if she had just actually killed herself to save her family mm-hmm. and it would have kind of been a better wrap up to this whole thing of uh the the theme that the movie's trying to pull in, in line with this it's we didn't say this earlier but there's a theme of loss throughout the movie clearly um yeah as is often in these movies uh that's something that i actually put in my notes is that it's weird that attempts in a lot of these movies is to add emotional weight to characters by giving them some backstory where they've suffered a loss of sorts. And it's always an interesting move to me because I think it takes a lot to really nail that. And I don't necessarily think this movie just completely falters, but I don't think it really nails it either. And I, I guess it's like a weird way of trying to take the idea of the of the theme of loss and scaling it to the ultimate level of like death being <coughs> kind of ultimate level of loss but it just felt kind of dumb in the yeah. long run for her to not actually kill herself and like beat it but with kind of bringing that that whole not alter your fate thing to a head because she's still going to die all she's doing is helping other people not die it still mm-hmm. kind of slaps the theme of not altering your fate in the face but it kind of helps bring it together with the idea of the theme of loss that the movie carries so right eh. that's kind of a problem the movie has in general where like it does one thing to kind of make a scene more tense that kind of fucks another scene Mm -hmm. you know like especially with that example there's the beginning scene where and i wrote this in my notes that she's flicking the needle and i'm like do you really have to do that or are you adding time but then also the Mm. doctor rushes her 
And but at the end, the sister is fucking crying over her body for like a solid three minutes, and then happens to notice the arm, and then slowly starts doing it. And I'm like, okay, so this can last forever. <laughs> like, <laughs> you gotta pick. Either you gotta inject real quick, or you 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 can do it at your leisure. And it would have almost been more interesting if the movie ends where the sister doesn't find out in time. So mm. she that would have also been cool. I mean, it, it, it would have at least it would have been better than the everybody. Well, not everybody, but you know, it's never the case that everybody. But it's like, oh, both of them get to live all happily ever after. Yeah. This kind of ties back into my prisoners talk of I like it when a movie has a vague ending. It's like, oh man, that's kind of messed up. Right. <laughs> I, I, I just think it would have been a lot bolder, though. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I, I wonder. Clearly, with a PG thirteen uh, rating, I didn't have super high expectations. Yeah, and I mean, I think you know when you can put on Countdown 2's poster starring Elizabeth Lail, the girl from You. You know, you can't kill her so that you can put that on your poster because no one else is in your movie that anybody knows about. Or, you know, the uh, reverse flash. Use you, sir? <laughs> Are you telling me that Ernie from the George Lopez show, who has come <laughs> so far in his life by becoming a, pa- a Catholic priest, you're telling me that you do not know my man Ernie? That was actually my first note on my page. <laughs> really? <laughs> so it was priest one of is from George notes. Lopez. I couldn't remember his name in the show, but yeah. He lost a lot uh, of weight. Yeah. He looks good. He does look good. Mm-hmm. Also, my boy Tom Segura. Um, fair, okay, fair enough. I would actually like to see a sequel surrounding Tom Segura's character. <laughs> He's and, the main actor. Yeah, because of the new software update that we find out about at the end, he because he hacked it in he loses time so his whole thing is he's freaking out because he's about to die i would watch that movie that would actually be a good sequel mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm glad that you guys went first because i actually very much disagree i think this movie has two giant themes that it's trying to tell you and it does it really badly because the movie <laughs> isn't even remotely consistent but I think the first theme that I think is kind of obvious, I'm surprised no one else said it, was it's a very anti-big tech movie. Like, very no, anti-big uh, tech. <laughs> I, and actually, I have another one that I didn't get around to. That, But you are right. It does have kind of a uh, anti... It, it's almost like it's... I mean, I, it, again, I don't know that it was ever meant to be a major theme, but at least it's mentioned. Uh, can I guess what your other one is? Go for it. Uh, it has a very anti-drinking and driving thing to it it does uh, i guess that was not my thing but yes that is true hmm. i don't know i guess to my, the extent that uh, i was wondering the guy who ended up hitting matt i yeah. was like is this also a drunk driver <laughs> <laughs> well it must have been right because what other reason well because like, the demon just suddenly controlled the car because there's, oh yeah there's no true. actual rules in this movie right which is the big problem one of them <laughs> But I think, and it kind of goes back to fate, so I guess you guys did say it, but I do think this is a movie that is very much about the complete absence of free will. However, mm. the movie completely mm. ruins it at the end. And I don't know, I might be looking into it into it in that light because I don't believe in free will. But I do think that's like something the movie goes for and then kind of fucks it up at the end of the movie. That's an interesting thing because the idea of free will and whether we have it and what it actually means is a super involved conversation. That is incredibly interesting. 
but it's almost like does the does the matter of saying we don't have free will even ultimately matter because even if we're you know the argument is like we're a sum of the way we were raised and Correct. we our body knows what it's going to do before we even know what it's going to do yeah uh, our brain rather but i mean yeah i guess that is interesting because i mean that that clearly is something in this movie is it which it, it goes back to the idea of fate it's in like predetermination which goes back to the idea of no free will if everything's predetermined there can't be free will sure um which is technically at that point also, or and if you wanted to tie it in, there is religious uh, overtones or undertones yeah. rather in this movie. There's you know, definitely that. they slap all over them. <laughs> well, that was the thing. It, it the, the I don't even look at the religious stuff because it kind of looked like they were like we want to use the word demon. So then they were like, okay, cool. So we also have to have them talk to a priest. <laughs> but we're doing this for kids, so the priest is going to get Grubhub and listen to Lil Nas X. Hell yeah. Like, I mean, look, Panini's fire, but I'm like, listen, there's no... I don't know, man. Like, this D&D-ass dude's like, only in it for the the demons seemed, like, kind of forced to me. I don't know. I I'm liked his character. Sure, but also, I love that he was eating the communion wafers. <laughs> I didn't even that notice was, that. Honestly, that was my favorite part. <laughs> of the really? whole scene and the whole scene was hilarious too. it was but my favorite part is like you walk in there he's high as hell listening to panini <laughs> as soon as they walk in he's asking where his are you here with my grub yeah, up? and he's eating the communion wafers because he's obviously stoned yeah he was really funny i don't know i just i really think the the big tech thing is there because of all the they show the uh do you accept the user agreement thing so many times that it was like blatantly in your face like hey facebook's got all your pictures dude you know it was that's how it felt there was a scene dedicated to that right yeah dedicated to like well did you read it of course i read every page no not really right and then even so far as to goad someone else so they can read it it's it's kind of like a warning of like this is what can happen if you don't Mm. pay attention to your terms and services yeah Um, I also really enjoy the idea that somehow this ancient demon Ozen goads like some like college level like programming <laughs> enthusiast into making like a killer app. Hey, there's so many plot holes in this movie. Oh my god, it's so good. I I think or the at least thing- leaps of faith where you just have to agree that like again, and I hate it because there's no rules in this movie, but it's almost like you just got to agree that this is the rules the movie has set forth, and of they could change at any moment. Right. Well, it was like that's this the scene we were talking about with the the flat earther and the Holocaust denier. <laughs> oh um, my god! And then it's he such a got funny fifty. Scene, it was a funny scene. It's that guy seemed like a caricature obviously well but yeah it was but like <laughs> my, real quick hold on my real my favorite part of that scene it. was when they were like i don't want to sign him up and like sentence him to death and then he's like and then the holocaust even happened They're like yeah all right we'll do it <laughs> <laughs> let him down um but yeah the most unbelievable part of that scene was that guy looks 80 and he has 52 more years to live <laughs> what are you yeah. doing um but i think the big theme that i kind of want to talk about because it's a glaring issue i have with the movie is the free will thing 
and we don't necessarily have to have this, the free is free will real yes, conversation. I'm more trust me. I'm more. I love that conversation. Almost as too. almost as and much as is a hot dog. We sandwich. do have free will, but I, okay. I think it's such an interesting conversation that it's worth having. Now the thing is, is I don't know that it's worth having on our podcast because I don't know that we'd be able to express it in the fine detail way that would really need to be made as to why the argument exists that we may not. I mean, I've had this argument a lot. I definitely could. <laughs> Sadly, I don't have any friends around here who are that into that that particular <laughs> mindset. So it's not – I don't try to have arguments like that because those yeah. are kind of more interesting online very often. Mm. So, yeah, it's not something – I mean, I'm, I'm decently versed on it, and I find it incredibly interesting. Uh, but I guess I should say is – your overall problem is, I mean, and I'm not saying I agree or disagree. It's just mm-hmm. like wanted to hear. So what is your, you said it's your biggest issue with the movie. So why right. is it the biggest so issue? So my biggest problem is that the ending of the movie um, kind of spits in the face of the free will the- theme that I feel like they're putting in. And I feel like they're putting it in because they want you to see throughout the movie like, oh, no matter what, this person was going to die. But I still feel like it's a free will thing, you know, especially with the train, right? Because you get the you get the sense at the beginning when the branch goes through the car and would have killed Courtney, um, mm-hmm. regardless. Mm-hmm. That okay, this was going to happen anyway. But you know, we didn't ever see the boyfriend's phone, right? So for all we know, they both could have been dying, and that was how YTOS was broken for them. But the big one for me was Matt and his train, because not everyone on that train downloaded this app but the train still crashed right so either matt was a catalyst for the crash because he he opened the app and was supposed to die so if it's not free will he him not being on that him not being on that train should have saved all those people but given i I get what you're saying but i think that the one important thing too that the movie actually at least does try and go towards yeah is that you do not immediately have to die as part of any given thing if you've not. It's almost like because if you agree to the terms of service, it changes the way things go. So for people who've not downloaded the app, it's not de- it's not saying that everyone on that train crash is going to die, but at least Matt was going to die. Right. It's actually very similar to what you were talking about at the beginning of the, the girlfriend would have died uh, in the beginning of the movie had she been with him. Uh, but and, and and he wasn't going to die. It goes to show that it's not just because one event's going to happen. Everyone involved in the event has to die. No, so I'm, right. You know, I don't disagree with that. The even, even more than that, that was kind of a offshoot of my point. The real problem is that there was a train track, a train crash, regardless. But mm-hmm. then at the end of the movie, when they, you know, for at least the foreseeable future, have vanquished the demon, there was no correlating event that we witness of her what was supposed to happen to her so mm-hmm. it kind of breaks the the theme a little bit it, unless it's not supposed to be a theme but that's why that's kind of where i was going with some not everyone on that the train downloaded the app because matt being on regardless of the fact matt being on that train should have changed it if it mm-hmm. if it wasn't free if, if free will existed and he doesn't get on that tra- that train you know, I feel like it should have changed that. That's uh, at least I how guess, I see it. I feel like I'm explaining it worse the longer I talk. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. I, okay. I think my understanding of the movie's internal logic with that is that any of those events are directly tied to Ozen, 
And so when they're still, you know, susceptible, when they haven't figured out how to break the curse yet, then yeah. Uh, Ozen seems to be someone with a flair for the dramatic regardless, because he likes to torment people, not just kill them instantly. So Mm -hmm. I see that as uh, him kind of flexing his power and showing, like, no matter what you did to try to escape, I always had you. Uh, and I feel like the reason we don't see that at the end is because they, they figure out how to, you know, break his curse. And in her case, yes. yeah, it's, it's dying and coming back to life. So maybe they're just, you know, whatever Ozen's plan was, was to kill her right then. And it just wasn't like a foolproof plan sure. in that case. And I think that's important to note too, because like Josh is talking about, I think the reason we don't see anything involving them comes mm-hmm. back to because they disrupted it we couldn't see it because if you think about it they don't show and reveal the train until after matt's already died it's, a, it's right. like an afterthought of like oh god he would have been on that he was going to die anyway mm-hmm. so i right. think it does play into that and i mean i get your i, I here's the thing about this though i don't really know how a theme of free will can really matter in these movies which is very similar to like uh, final destination in this where it's like regardless of whether you know you're going to die it's like what can you really do to change it Mm. and of course all these movies eventually deal with someone being able to overcome the odds which i think is trying to and i don't necessarily love this but i think it's trying to tap into the whole idea of what fiction should be in the first place is that even if the rules that we're setting in this world should have made it impossible for her to get through for whatever reason it is uh there's that kind of mentality that in fiction there's always a you can always find a way and i think it's like a fiction commonly looks at like the triumphantness of the human spirit and it's like of course putting people in ridiculous situations like this and letting them still find a way out is a good a good example of like hey you know yeah there you are it's kind of like in god of war when kratos crawls out of hades Mm -hmm. multiple times (laughs) yeah that's true and then people are surprised when he's not dead and it's like why anymore right. it's just it's part of it you know it's just like it's 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 that idea and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't i don't really feel like the ability to break it here made me feel any better about the situation like i said i think i would have actually felt more um satisfied with her actually sacrificing herself and taking on and kind of paying attention and looking like oh okay you know something has to be done but that thing that has to be done still comes with a sacrifice like you know Mm. i was supposed to die so i'll die so i can at least save someone else it has at least that to it if it would i think it would have been stronger but you know i think every piece of fiction chooses to tap into a couple of different things that it doesn't necessarily have to be strictly adhered to because it's not necessarily the real world even when fiction's grounded in reality clearly ozen does not exist in our world so i mean if you're gonna break if you're gonna break the reality to have that exist to begin with you can break reality everywhere else i mean but that 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 is a definitely an argument that we can have another time i think <laughs> Ooh. I, I i am a very big believer in all that kind of stuff so all right this movie is relatively realistic in my view <laughs> oh you have, you're a big believer in the ozen stuff no, just see, are the potential for an Ozen? Yeah, type yeah, being? just like that, like yeah. that kind of stuff. I definitely believe in. So, like, interesting. I am not superstitious 
in the but i am a little stitious no i am a little (laughs) stitious yeah uh i i think that that's probably i mean you know that ties very heavily into my fact that i'm not a religious person at all well i I mean that's the thing i don't believe in a greater being and i feel like those things in my and not saying to everybody but i feel like in my mind that's part of the reason why it's like logically consistent within myself at least that if I don't believe in a higher being, then why would I believe in the remnants of people staying behind? Because that would almost imply the cre- the existence of some kind of higher being. But who knows? Sure. I mean, I, yeah. I get your point. I mean, and, and that's one of those things about horror movies that, that strike me odd is that most horror movies don't really hit me from a standpoint. Like, I think a lot of people watch movies like Paranormal Activity or even this who believe in ghosts or demons. And it has more of a tangible factor for them because they feel like this is not that far removed from something that they view as a potential in reality right yeah i mean that's the thing that's why to me blair witch project is the scariest movie of all time because they don't ruin it with like the cheap monster at the end you know yeah paranormal activity definitely does do that yeah i I will say that was a thing that any of the moments where we saw like the, the the hauntings that were happening to the characters that were about to die or when we saw Ozen in any amount of detail I always kind of felt like I understand there's a creative choice and maybe they had a reason for it being very aware that you got to be deliberate with that but I just felt like uh, I don't know I, I just felt like any of the times they showed that it kind of weakened the overall scare factor when it's like, okay, now you're looking this thing in the face. Now you can kind of be more analytical about it and be like, uh, I don't know if I would have made those like design choices or, or whatever. Even if you're like, wow, that's really well designed. Like I feel like when you show the monster, you're perceiving it analytically, not just instinctively. Uh, Mm. so it better be really, really well done for that additional layer of visibility to be shown with either the monster or the hallucinations we see, like the girl in the stairwell. Uh, which, while that was creepy, it was creepy and a little cheesy in that horror movie kind of way. So it felt like, you know, okay, okay. like it's, you know, I don't know. It, it See, like, changed Blake, my perception of the scene anyway. Blake, I should, I should ask because I'm a little curious before I go into my spiel about all that. Uh, you, you mentioned really liking, and I actually will agree for the most part until eventually it has to come to a head and they ruin it, very similar to what Josh is talking about right now. You mentioned the hallway scene being your big, uh, like you just really thought that was well done and cool. What about the hallway scene struck you? Like, what did it like resonate with you in like a in a way that kind of made you unnerved, or did it falter anywhere? That's a genuine curiosity because. I thought that scene was okay, but I didn't think it was some kind of amazing thing because I feel like at the end of all those scenes, it's ruined by the reveal of anything going on, and it always just made me laugh. <laughs> hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, Yeah, like, none of this movie scared me or anything. Or, like, I just thought that it built tension really well with her running to get the phone and the light, you know, the camera work mm-hmm. with, like, I think it was right about her knees. <clears throat> maybe her shins yep. or whatever but with the light coming on when she walked down the hall and then it kept coming on yeah. after she was in the bedroom i just thought it built tension really well i didn't when i said it's an amazing scene i didn't mean that it's going to like go down in history with like amazing horror movie scenes i just meant like sure. in the context of the movie that we're watching so yeah like yeah. i thought it was really well done but um i don't know what you mean by it faltered at the end i thought the whole thing was really good 
Well, I guess what I should say is like, I feel like the movie would always kind of start to get me. And that's a perfect example. That's a really good example of a, of a scene building tension really well to a, a eventually kind of just ruin it with something that I found to just be cheesy sure. uh, in the long run. So that scene, everything building up to the bed being lifted up in the mother reveal, which was, again, you could see it coming from a mile away, which is not necessarily a detriment to the film or anything, but it's just more of like, I was, that scene totally had me until something actually came of it. And it's, mm-hmm. it goes back to what like Josh and even I think Chris was saying is that to some extent, this movie ends up kind of stepping on its, stepping in, in its own way by having to continuously put a face to everything. It'd be a lot creepier if you had all these things building up and kind of tap back into a little bit more of the like early 2000s, like J horror, where it's like, well, we're going to build up to stuff. And we're never going to pay off, and the entry, or you know, not that we'll never pay off, but we don't pay off very often. So you're going to mm-hmm. get a lot of scenes that build tension, and that tension never goes to a head. And the weird part of that is that it it actually builds more tension when you don't get the release of like a oh at least it came to something. See, like this movie has the problem of coming to a head and then stopping. And you get that comfort of like, oh, well, the big moment happened, so now we know that they're okay for a little while. Mm-hmm. I would have much preferred the idea of building that tension, building it, building it, and then kind of leaving you to sit and go, wait, is nothing going to happen? And then kind of leaving, letting you stew in that situation of like a – you're almost uncomfortable because you think at any given moment the thing can actually come back and get you. Like, right. oh, there, there it is. But the movie never does that. It's always like, we're going to show you what we're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think – Personally, it was only effective in the stairwell um, for uh, Dan, I believe his name was, his death. Mm. Um, Evan, sorry. His name was Evan. Yeah, but I, but I think you're right. It shot itself in the foot because it should have just ended when she turns her head, but then it did that really dumb-looking walk down the stairs, the really jerky one, mm. and I was like, this is fucking dumb, dude. What do you do? Okay. It did lead to a cool scene. Yes. Well, that's what I was going to say. If all she had done was turn their head and then immediately cuts to the phone falling and the kids screaming, yes. perfect scene. Instead, yes, they had that agree. really corny ass, you know, I'm crip walking down the stairs <laughs> because, because for no reason other than it might have been a little more freaky, but there was no reason to do that. Real yeah. quick. No, I mean, that scene was awesome with the phone mm-hmm. dropping and then like as soon as it counts down to zero, he smacks. I, I yeah. loved it. Go ahead, Blake. Yeah, I was just gonna say real quick. I wanted to respond about the um, like the bedroom scene and the hallway scene or whatever. Mm. I didn't think that it like the scene climaxed in a bad way. I thought that they only showed what I assume is the mom for a yeah. brief second, so it didn't feel cheesy to me. Like you know, like some of the scenes where like the little boy especially was like walking towards and then breaking his ankles, which I thought was actually a pretty good effect. Yeah. But, no, yeah, again, and if they never showed the boy, but let that just end there and let you kind of have that thing of like, okay, so th- to break that scene down, if it would have <laughs> been set up to where you saw all of that happen and literally just the last moment of it didn't happen, I would have loved it so much more. Mm-hmm. If you see him looking into the open stall after seeing all that crazy shit and there's no one there and he doesn't hear Matt from behind him and have this ridiculous thing jump on him and have to go find him it had been a lot better if you just had it set up to where oh he sees all that and he's just staring into this void and then the lights turn on yeah Yeah. Yeah. that's what i was saying love that 
with that scene, I think you're absolutely correct. But I think with the hallway scene that it was so quick, and then she jumped up and ran out of the room, that I think it was effective. I don't, I didn't think that that was, scene was ruined it was by it. I, 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 and I almost, I mean, of course, he can't be in here, but I was using my wife, who doesn't normally like scary movies. Uh, I kind of convinced her to watch this one because I was like, well, it's PG-13. Uh, it's probably going to be a little bit more similar to Happy Death Day, which she actually ended up enjoying. Uh, and she, without any kind of stimulus from me, I was kind of just sitting back. She was sitting in another chair. I was typing up my notes. And she was laughing at almost every time that they mm-hmm. reveal something. And that caught me off guard because she's not like that. She's very squeamish. She gets scared very easily. And this movie was doing absolutely nothing to her. Uh, <laughs> and that surprised me because at, at first I thought, well, maybe I'm jaded and it just, again, maybe I don't, I don't meet the criteria that this movie was trying to do to unsettle you. But every time in even that scene, she just laughed because she was like, that's ridiculous. So <laughs> she's yeah. like, it looks so stupid. And I'll, I'll agree almost every single time that they showed anything in relation to the hauntings, that were going on i laughed like yeah i, I tried mm. not to laugh to where my wife could hear me so i could see what her reaction was but i i kind of chuckled to myself because it all looked bad and the, and the thing that was funny like my wife was like that looks so stupid and i was like i hate that i kind of like the actual like character design yeah of the demon but i hate the use of him i was like you know the mm. it's like they they faltered in the application of that it's like if they would have saved that and maybe revealed it just at the very end or maybe never revealed it i don't know i think that part of it's part of what makes bird box kind of interesting is like you do never see them and originally at one point you did see the monsters and apparently no one thought the movie was tense at all so they went back and made the monsters invisible so you never saw them so that it leaves you to kind of go what the hell yeah you know what was it and that the kind of tension works so much better in horror but again, when you're dealing with PG-13, I feel like PG-13 tends to be a little more play it safe, and it tends to not surprise me very much. And that's always unfortunate, because I'd love to see somebody come and do something that was really fresh and original, but still stuck to PG-13's guidelines, but genuinely surprised you. Yeah. You know, it's old, and it wasn't fresh or original because it was an American remake, but The Ring is probably one of my top ten horror movies of all time, and it's PG-13, so it definitely can be done. Absolutely, and that's a great... When I referenced the J-horror of the early 2000s, The Ring is a great example of letting scenes just build in tension. Yeah, it's a very green movie, though. I don't know if you've seen it recently, (laughs) but like every scene is just fucking green. Super green, (laughs) yes. I don't know. I think the thing is, once you see, it's, it's the same with Insidious. It's the same in all of these movies where the second you see the monster, it's not scary. Oh and my God, I'm glad you brought up Insidious. Insidious don't say too much because like, I haven't seen that. I want to, though. Same. Okay. I want to say one thing. There's a scene where they reveal the monster. That's what I'll say. And I was in the theater because my wife wanted to go see it. Uh, and I had to stop myself from cackling in the movie theater <laughs> because of how stupid it was to me. I had to like hold my mouth and try and be quiet while I was laughing into my hand aggressively because it was just so ridiculous. Everything about it, the choice of music, the special effects around it, it was all just so dumb. So I won't say more than that. I didn't realize you guys hadn't seen it. I don't know why that just seemed like a movie that you guys would have seen and I wouldn't have, but mm, somehow the tables Blake have turned. Seen it, really. Right. Blake, it's, one I've, it's one I've seen on Netflix here and there, and it's 
I am like 99% sure I've never seen it, but the cover does look familiar, so I'm not sure if I've ever watched it or if I've just seen the cover so much at like DVD stores back in the day or something. Yeah. You know the worst part about Insidious is that the actual general premise is pretty interesting, and they just butcher the execution completely, in my opinion. Well, I thought the premise of this was really good. Like, it... You know, I don't think this movie was bad at all. Like, I don't necessarily agree that them showing the monster was a bad thing. I think for... You know, I went into it with expectations kind of halted, you know, or faltered or whatever to the point to where I didn't go into it expecting, like, top-tier horror or anything. I expected PG-13, some jump scares or whatever, and I came out pleasantly surprised, you know. But, um... I don't remember I was going with this point, so somebody else continue. <laughs> well, I think I think the I think the big thing with this movie, and I kind of feel like we can all agree, given the conversation, is that if this movie was cut down to maybe an hour fifteen, and they removed some of the stuff that this is not really dumb, but the, some of the stuff that we didn't like, the movie is. I feel like this is a cult classic movie where you know a lot of it, a lot of the stuff surrounding it isn't great but like a lot of people really like it instead they make a couple decisions like showing the monster as much as they show it i think they built up a lot of false scares which kind of ruins it a little bit yeah and i think if you take some of that stuff out you have a really good movie instead you don't take it out and you have a two and a half to three star movie so (laughs) well to to kind of directly address blake saying like I agree with you, and I should mention, and I mean, I and I felt like that's what it was, but I went into this movie with halted expectations as well, and I had a good viewing experience because of it. All I was kind of getting at there is that when you watch a movie that comes close to being able to kind of do something that's really kind of cool and be more than just a fun watch, you do kind of have that thing that happens in your head of like, if they'd only done this, this might have been like a really like a, basically a great movie like this yeah. this probably could have been a great movie and mm-hmm. to chris's point i actually think that if someone would sit down i really think this movie could be edited to be most of what i'd want from it mm-hmm. i think you could edit this movie to where at the end uh she does actually sacrifice herself i think that you could do this to where uh you could edit out the moments where it overshows the monsters like the bathroom scene that we were talking about with matt is a great example i think that even though we can't have the lights turn on which would have been a fantastic i think in my mind uh, i think what we can do is have it to where he's staring into the void and then suddenly it cuts to the scene where she's walking around the elevator and he's sitting there just looking disturbed yeah in the chair and i think that would give you the same sense of dread of like oh it never actually capitalized and he's over here and the reaction you see on his face kind of pulls a reaction from you going back to the stairwell scene i think you can cut her walking down you can just see her head turn around which adds that emotional weight of it being his ex-girlfriend or technically his girlfriend that died mm-hmm. uh, and then cut all the extra crap out and just have it immediately go to the phone dropping and him splatting and i think that a lot of ways you can cut this movie to where you don't have any of those what ifs of like yeah. what if they had done this it could have been better i mean I mean, you'll have at least less of them. I don't think you can get rid of all of them, but I think a quick edit could make a movie that I'd probably actually watch again. Mm. Yeah. Because I've seen this movie twice now, and I didn't... I actually liked it more the second time. So That's interesting. Because the second time I knew that I was getting into, like, a... This is a kind of movie I like to watch, like a, a not very good but entertaining horror movie. Sure. 
and, and this was perfect. This may for be that. weird. This is just in line with Happy Death Day. Like I enjoyed Happy Death Day, but it was oh. just as ridiculous in most ways. Like, that, in most ways, to me, I think Happy Death Day is way way better. But I do I think also, it's better. I do think it's better. Yeah, but I think it still falters plenty of times where definitely I have a great time watching it. But you know, also why do both of these movies insist on setting up for sequels? Yeah, well that's the big problem. That's too, just standard kind of horror. Though. The ending. Especially like mainstream PG thirteen type horror, they're always setting up for sequels because there's always going to be that one breakout PG thirteen horror movie that makes like three hundred million dollars. Yeah, and they want to be that one, and hate. they want to be ready. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. Yeah. It goes back to my hate of the of our inability to let something that is just fun and good be one and done fun and good I'm, yeah. I'm actually guilty of that myself there's plenty of times where i want more of something that is already perfect uh, and really should just end but you know your selfish nature as a consumer is like i'd right. love to experience more of that and see if i can chase that same feeling and yeah. you'll never actually get the same feeling mm. but a, a good creator can get you at least close i think the the big thing i disagree with you on blake with your point is that you could have ended this movie without the fucking software 2.0 update <laughs> and still st- and still had a sequel because it sure. is not this is not I, I agree with I get what you're saying I guess I'm more just like it's annoying that they ruined the ending of this when it would have been so easy to do the exact same fucking thing the next time and not ruin the ending of this one no so, I, I mentioned what I happy said, death day hold on real quick that's a fair comparison go ahead, go ahead I was just gonna say he was responding to me so I wanted to respond real quick and then you can go um the ending I didn't think was good at all I was just giving a reason yeah. of why they did it I thought it was a terrible ending oh yeah yeah, yeah. No, I get you so I guess, like yeah, yeah I, I didn't want to confuse people that I thought the ending was good because it was not <laughs> like I'm just trying to fight <laughs> well I'm ready man <laughs> oh, all right, go ahead, Brett. Cracking. Sorry. No, you're fine. I think I, I brought up Happy Death Day, and I should at least I I accidentally brought it up in the same mode of why does this have to set up for a sequel? What I really meant to say is this sets up for a sequel in the stupidest way possible. Oh my god, it's so ha- good. <laughs> Happy Death Day, on the other hand, has a sequel, but I would have never thought it'd have a sequel from the ending of the first one. So actually, props to Happy Death Day. Yeah, It rounds itself out and lets it exist as an individual movie in case another one ever, never actually did get made. But now there is a sequel. I've not watched it. I can't speak on its quality. I think that the general premise is kind of dumb, but as we talked about last week, Chris watched it and he thinks that it actually kind of handles that better than i expected um but yeah i think it just goes down to i I would love for more movies to set themselves up in a way to where they can be expounded on but if if they never do get expounded on you're not left with this feeling of like there was supposed to be more or in this movie's case butchering honestly if it wouldn't have been for the tom segura date scene mid credits and please tell me you guys saw it. Oh my god, I did not see that. I actually didn't see it. There's a mid credit scene it. where you see the date with Tom Segura and his Tinder date. Oh uh, my god! And he stayed. And of course, this happens before the monster's gone, so he, it's unavoidable, <clears throat> or the demon rather. But um, he's in the he's in there. He's spending their credit cards, getting tons of wine and stuff. Thinks he thinks he's impressed this girl all the time. Uh, he's at the restaurant way after it's closed. She's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. He's like, cool, I'll be waiting for you or whatever. And then the lights turn off. You see his phone do the ding. And then all the time he added for himself goes down to zero. 
and he dies. <laughs> and he dies. And That's like, amazing. The guy at the restaurant kept being like, you know, we're closed. And so when the lights turn on, he's like, hey, man, we're still in here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was really funny. And honestly, it, it, it brought back that same idea of like the saving grace for this movie's somewhat lesser areas is that the movie does a lot to not, to not take itself too seriously. Yeah. And that that's probably the best thing it could have done. Because if this yeah. movie was the exact same, but with none of the comedic relief, it would have been a much worse movie, I feel. Definitely. Like. Yeah, Definitely. I agree. Yeah. Um, do we want to kind of move on to a couple scenes we liked and move on to there? Because I got a couple. I don't know about you. Um, I pretty much talked about like the one scene that really stood out to me, but I do want to read one of my notes real quick and just see if I get any reaction, um, mm. knock off 13 reasons why. Does that mean anything <laughs> to you guys? Disagree, but it is No, a not the movie itself. Oh. Not the movie as a whole. The kid from okay. the beginning, the drunk driver. That kid oh, looks yeah, like yeah, the main yeah. character, except like if the show was on ABC Family and not Netflix. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> I, hey, I'm not even joking. I looked my wife dead in the face. And I said, that looks like Clay Jensen if he just had a really rough life. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh my God, yes, it does. Damn. You're right. Yeah, it does. Okay, now we can move on. Because, no, I don't have any other scenes that really stood out to me. <laughs> Speaking of which, so. Clay Jensen was in um, Prisoners. He was the son. Yes. Yep. Yep. I, I like him, but for some reason. For some reason, I keep thinking that kid is Logan Lerman. I don't know why I have the name Logan Lerman stuck in my head, but I do. Is that a real name? It, I don't it is an is. actor, and I, I know his name because he was up for the Spider-Man Tom Holland role, I believe. Oh. So that's how I know his name, but I feel like he looks like the kid from Prisoners and 13 Reasons Why, but it's not. It's not. I don't know why. Uh, I, keep, I always okay. think it does. He was um, the kid in the butterfly effect. That was Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> no, he was the kid. <laughs> he was the child. I, I, yes, Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> so was Ashton the Kutcher. Child. <laughs> I don't think you understand what I'm saying. Um, I don't know who the kid was. I haven't seen Butterfly Effect in a long time. It's actually yeah, a w- decent one. Butterfly Effect is a really good movie from what I remember of it. Yeah, I like it a lot. Nice. Um, Brett, how about you? Do you have any standout scenes? I, I do have some scenes, but um, if we're going to just shout out random notes as well that we didn't just get around to covering um there are a couple but i'll just hit you with one right now first of all why does this entity have like the motherfucking force just throwing motherfuckers Mm -hmm. left (laughs) and right with no physical touch and yet he needs to grab people otherwise to like drag them away and also this is like one of those weird plot hole moments. I'm like, so if he can throw this bitch and keep him from keep her from stabbing him, why can't he keep her from stabbing herself? Mm. Like a paralysis kind of thing. Yeah, like if if he was able to knock her way the fuck back and on her ass, why would he not be able to do the same to stop her? Not even the paralysis. Why would he not <laughs> just be able to knock her back? Brett, which it's not as dramatic. It's, that's that's true. true. But I do think <laughs> if he'd done anything else, he would have ran out of time with the other girl. So if he moves from his position, he loses the sister and loses anyway. He doesn't have to. He wasn't even in the hallway. You didn't see that motherfucker anywhere. And he was knocking them left and right like he was Emperor Palpatine. No, I agree. <laughs> but he was, at, the, at that point, he's sitting on the sister's lap for some reason. But he clearly has the force. Fair. 
I don't know. The movie doesn't have any any sense of logic. What, would you love if this movie ended up being like a Star Wars side story? I would pay for it. <laughs> I would pay for it. Okay, so a scene, though. And it's funny. None of mine are just necessarily... I don't think the movie's actually poorly shot at all. It's actually no. a pretty, pretty good shot uh, thing. Uh, and this note is technically in line with that. If I, I love that the opening screen for this movie is kind of like drenched in its little style that they're trying to go for with having like the production company and distributor and licensed software, all that stuff, uh, be on like the little LCD scan line style mm-hmm. where it's like trying to look like it's on a screen and like mm-hmm. rotating the letters out and stuff. I thought that was cool. Uh, but most of my scenes for this movie are just uh, funny things yeah. uh, to me for the most part. So... The one I'll show out, and this is not in the favor of the movie, actually, is uh, <laughs> early on whenever the Evan kid is looking in the glass at the hospital, like the little hall, the corner mirror that lets you see down all the hallways or whatever, yeah. and you see the little ridiculous looking like, it looks like death at that point still, <laughs> just pop up and then disappear. Yeah. And then when you see it in the corner, then it moves forward and the screen cracks, like the glass cracks. I, I laugh so hard. <laughs> It just looks so. My wife was laughing. She was like, "This is so stupid." She was yeah. laughing when he first showed up, like in the glass. She was like, "Oh my god, this is dumb." I, I, I was kind of laughing when he showed up in like the rear view, like in the parking camera. Me just too. Like, Your Prius has detected a demon. <laughs> so anyway, go ahead. We can rotate around from everybody. I'm sure other people have some uh, yeah. some funny gold mines. Josh, please. Uh, so. This movie gave me so many questions. Uh, why mm. is there a church inside the hospital? Is that a normal thing? Is it like a big yeah. hospital thing? In some hospitals, yeah, Catholic Catholic yeah. hospital. Yes. Okay, that's fair. I did not know that. For reference, uh, the only hospitals I've seen, uh, aside from like a specific ward going into the room, like the only hospital that I've seen like many rooms in is the one in Scrubs. So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's for like religious people. Who can- well, and I should tell you, like here in town, one of our hospitals is Christus St. Michael, and they have praying rooms and all sorts of stuff. There are rooms that are dedicated with stained glass, put the windows and like prayer altars, Mm. and they actually have a chapel that you can go to. Uh, Used to have legitimate nuns that stayed in a nunnery, uh, which is a ridiculous word, but I love it. Hmm. In town, um, I don't think they're here anymore, just because I think... uh, nuns as a whole at least in our area are just down i don't think there's a many around uh but yeah it's it's definitely a common or not an uncommon thing i should say interesting mm. I, I guess i also wasn't aware until you guys said it that this hospital was one of those hospitals like i i don't remember wherever that was yeah. established so interesting you were just like oh cool there's a catholic priest here <laughs> what good timing <laughs> honestly i i was like why is he here eating cake with them what is he here for a different event or is like did someone ask him to be here i completely was oblivious to that being like a no he's there because he's like staff too failure um, of the movie to uh, i guess you know for us i think it's and honestly i was before you ended up saying it i was gonna say scrubs is a perfect example <laughs> <laughs> but you got to there so yeah failure of the movie but technically i guess it's one of those things that you only recognize if you don't have the knowledge that the movie's trying to imply mm, interesting uh another one that stood out to me is like even if you're tldring through that uh through that whole uh user agreement before you uh click agree and install the app like there's an obviously like witch house album title looking part in the bottom where it's like here's a fuckload of crosses that doesn't look sketchy at all like <laughs> that doesn't occur to you to like maybe like check that out at some point so um 
but obviously they look at it later but just like the first couple times i was always like there's no way like you're not going to notice the scrolling past it <laughs> um and my last call out for this batch of notes because i've got a fuckload of weird ones um is the whole scene with her uh, going to the morgue to unlock the phone i laughed oh. as soon as she got there um but i will say uh the movie did its job in being unsettling because the sound effects were so just like incredibly loud and unrealistic. It was like, okay, I get it. It's a body. You don't have to go each time. Like he moves slightly. (laughs) That was super drenched sound effect. It was so gross. How moist (laughs) is that boy? (laughs) I did like the eye like drooping down though. Yeah. I like that whole scene, even though I laughed at all of it, because I was like, "That this is totally." What's funny is it's going to age the movie, though. When people like when when people don't use like fingerprints to unlock your phone or like the apples, whatever the next thing is, people are going to look back and be like, <laughs> "Look at that!" Yeah. <laughs> also, this movie is obsessed with showing things that are basically iPhones when they're not iPhones. Yeah. I was laughing so hard at that. I was like, that is basically iPhone interface on a non-iPhone phone. <laughs> yeah. The Y phone. They didn't want to pay for licensing. They were like, if we have those real products in this movie, I want you to know we yeah. have to pay for them. Please do not make us do that. I don't know if that's true, actually, but I've always assumed it was. Because it's like, it why, otherwise, why would every Sony movie have everyone using Sony phones? That, that's yeah. just because that's their only opportunity to remind people that Sony phones exist. My wife legitimately, because I said, that looks like a Sony phone, because it's, it's very rare that modern phones have chins and like bezels as big unless they're an iPhone, but like it's clearly not an iPhone. And I said something about Sony phone, and her remark was, I didn't know Sony made phones. <laughs> they actually make great so, phones. They just undermarket them in the U.S. They do. They actually make very good phones. I don't care for their take on Android, but it's still a good phone. Yeah. Um, it's funny because you brought up those sound effects and that was actually the scene I was going to bring up was Courtney's death because I think it's the, I think it's the best, the best death scene in the movie because it's the only one that stays scary the whole time until Mm -hmm. they play the streets, the street fighter two soundtrack when she's dying Mm -hmm. and it took all the tension away because it sounds like she's taking a combo from fucking Baraka (laughs) and I hated it. But then she falls, and that part was sick. And I'm like, you just fucked this whole scene up with this really dumb sound effect. And they do that throughout the movie. You know, um, that scene is a much closer approximation of what I was talking about. It's probably the only time that the movie does a kill and does not reveal the monster. And that's exactly what makes that scene, again, outside of the music choice and the sound effect choice of everything that was going on. uh, I think that, that, again, that could be re-edited to be killer. Like That could be such a good moment with just some tense-ass music. And then when she gets pulled up, I would love it even more if there was no sound effect. Stop the tense music, let it just be quiet for a few seconds, and then... Just when you see it. her phone hit zero, or, or you know, when you see her phone hit like two or whatever, she drops and then she hits the thing just at the same time as her phone hits zero or whatever. That'd be great. Well, and that's the big question to me is like, why did they need to put those sound effects in? They, they did I, not. I get this. Yeah, I get the screaming, but like, I get the screaming, but this at the sound effects just seemed like extra. You know, like mm-hmm. I I get that the demon tortures her. But if it's me, it's pretty fucking scary to be staring at a demon while he counts down to two so he can drop you so you can hit your head and then die. 
you know mm-hmm. it was just like why didn't you just give her that time lift her up and then drop her and <laughs> well and again i think that this movie is getting a little bit more criticized because of the context around we just watched house of a thousand corpses and that scene with that silent for so long in house of a thousand corpses is amazing yeah and i kind of just wish that same thing would have happened here like hold her up there for a few seconds make the viewer like what the hell's going on definitely since it's so early in the movie and kind of sets the tone for everything moving forward and let it be silent and kind of let it be like once he does drop you're like oh that silence was her like face to face with her knowing she's about to die it's like that terrifying silence that comes from like the reality like the realization that you can't change anything that's going on right i feel like that scene definitely works better if if you just it pulls her up but you see her legs and mm-hmm. they're kicking because then there it begs the other question of where the fuck did she go? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> did it just take her up into the roof? <laughs> that was my question too. It, there was something almost like Home Alone esque about how quickly she disappeared. <laughs> she was <feeling>. shot. <laughs> she went up. <laughs> that was funny. I did have that like because the movie hadn't completely set the tone for what was going to be when I was watching, and I was kind of like. Did he like yank her into another dimension and we don't actually see her death or what? And then finally it happened. Uh, In retrospect, yeah, I think that having the legs dangling would be pretty interesting and let that be, again, dead silence, but let the legs moving do all the work for you just from a sheer visual standpoint and Mm -hmm. then let it crack down with that head hitting the tub would have made that scene amazing. Yeah, But I do think that's the best scene in the movie, so... Yeah. Pick mm. that for what it's worth. Um, I don't know how much more we really need to delve into this classic movie. Um, does anyone have any closing thoughts they'd like to get into here? I've got one other thing about the ending that I wanted to say. Not uh, yeah, the very end, but the scene where the, um, I guess the younger sister injects the, what is it called? Nacan? Narcan. Narcan, yeah. Into the older sister. Um, I think it would have been a better ending, and I really hate when horror movies end with a jump scare. I think it's mm-hmm. really like, oh, they threw a chair at the screen, or oh, someone screamed at the screen right at right as the credits started, or whatever. I think it's really lame. But I think it may have worked for this movie, and not necessarily even a jump scare, but just as soon as like she breathed back to life, if the demon came back and like just fucking smashed her head in or something. Dude, yeah. I thought about that too. Like if because. She, she undid the death that made the demon go away. The demon comes back. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, I thought guess, about that heavily. So I guess my only point is the demon goes away regardless because he didn't kill the other sister. You know? Yeah, that's I mean, fair yeah, too. I guess. Sure. Yeah, but it, it's a consequences of actions thing to me, which just would have made the action more weighty. Like, why spend all this time being like? And I know why they did it, because of course they wanted to have the, oh, she's got Narcan written on her arm and she planned all this out. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like they spent so much time trying to set up this, these two sisters who have lost their mother. And again, it's why I say like the movie doesn't quite nail it. It's like they try and set all that up so that when the ultimate, and again, I saw it coming from a mile away, yeah. the ultimate ending of she's going to off herself because she realized she couldn't kill the doctor. Uh, and she realizes the only way to get it is to sacrifice herself so she can disflow the you know disrupt the flow of one thing. I would have loved if it was like her death had to be permanent for it to and that's what it would have implied. It's like her death had to be permanent for it to stick. Mm-hmm. And the moment that she gets brought back, 
it just it, it, it's like the unpause button happened because if you and then if you really look at it the demon clearly doesn't go away if version 2.0 just hit right you know what i mean well so the movie again slaps itself in the face yet exactly. again with that weird teaser for a second movie because now it's like well if the demon can come back that quick then why didn't he just come back when she came back it's like right. it, none of it makes sense and that's well, that, from i think a, a more definitive end would have been nice that's kind of like i was thinking about it when you were talking about it where i'd almost wish that the ending had just been she stabs the sister with narcan you have that tense scene she wakes up and then it ends with just that scream of the notification that would have been pretty sick i would have been okay mm. with that because then you set up mm. your sequel and you're and it's kind of vague like you don't really know what's gonna happen right yeah. exactly the, to me it was just the second i saw software update 2.0 i mean are you fucking kidding me <laughs> <laughs> yeah because the thing is the demon doesn't like get sucked back into hell it fucking disintegrates mm-hmm. so like you're implying that it died and it's like oh did his son pick up app development and now he's taking people you know like i don't <laughs> father did his... you know when you killed him his son was on his uh, he was taking his finals <laughs> for app design <laughs> he was at, uh, he was at university of phoenix getting his online degree <laughs> <laughs> I love that you went University of Phoenix because it makes me think of Arrested Development whenever George Michael goes to the University yeah. of Phoenix. Oh, good Lord. Okay. Um, I just feel like I'd be remiss to not say this because it just made me crack up yeah. so much. And again, with this, uh, the movie, of the idea of the movie not taking itself too seriously. Uh, one of the hands down funniest scenes of the whole movie, Tom Segura really does get all of them. Yeah, he But does. if we're going to give it to anybody else, uh, the priest, whenever they're doing all the salt mix and everything, and he said, whenever she's like, well, won't it just blow? Like, won't he be able to blow the salt away? And he's like, God damn it. I'm sorry. Like, he looks <laughs> up at the sky. It's like, I'm sorry. I liked that. I liked it both times they pulled that joke when Matt was just like, Jesus Christ. Shit. <laughs> yes, yeah. When he's walking in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think as far as I'm concerned, that will close out this episode on Criterion <gasps> Collection movie <clears throat> countdown Brad, are you okay <laughs> i know it sounded like i was gasping to say something i yeah. actually just i swallowed spit slightly wrong <laughs> <laughs> i was oh, like he's, he either has something to say or he's eating a gigantic slice of cake i don't know which one it is <laughs> oh he's dying you know <laughs> um so yeah well thank you for joining us uh who picks out our movie for next week i think it's josh right it is mr josh Ooh. i thought it was Brett again and then me. I'm last in the rotation. Uh, yes, it is Brett. I thought we did Prisoners after Spirited Away. It was the other way around. Well, Spirited Away wasn't my movie. It was uh, Blake's It was mine. Movie. No, it was <laughs> mine. Okay. So we did right. Spirited Away, Prisoners, House of a Thousand. I'm Groundhog Day, okay. then House of a Thousand, then this. Okay, you guys are going to yeah, give me so a second. I'm going to have to... Uh, I'm gonna oh, have to my God. Look. It's all I really, I, beforehand, I thought about looking, but I was like, no, it's Josh's week. <laughs> And I was a little, I was, I almost asked, and I kind of wish I would have now. Star Wars Episode yeah. 2, The Clone Wars, go. No, hmm. not that one. I am in 100% Star Wars mode right now, so I would watch that right now. <laughs> I was just trying to name the middle of some series. <laughs> yeah. I am 100% not in Star Wars mode, so. I'm trying to think. 
Okay, I've got it. I, go ahead. I've, I've got it because it's even better because I went to go look at our movie list that we have built up, and it's yeah. the last movie that I can see that you at least told us you bought, okay. and that is The Truman Show. Not only is it okay. a super fantastic movie oh, that shit. I think invites a ton of conversation, uh, I also saw that you have apparently never seen it. I have. So we need to Truman remedy Show. that very, very quickly. All right. I'm Josh, excited. have you seen it, or do you want to keep it a surprise? I have not seen it, and I'm a huge oh, uh, Jim Carrey fan, and I've always loved the premise of this movie, so I'm fucking stoked to watch it. Yeah, it's very oh, good, it's so, so I'm good. glad I'm that excited. we get to watch it. Hell yeah. That's cool. I'm looking forward to that one. All right, and with that, I am going to sign off. I will pass over to Brett for our closing notes. Well, thank you, kind sir. I appreciate it. Uh, if you like the podcast, of course, you can check us out over on uh, any of your podcast services, be it iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify. If you're on one like iTunes that gives you the ability to do ratings, we'd appreciate it if you'd give us a rating uh, and a review. It lets us know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, and lets others know whether the show is worth their time. Uh, of course, you can find us over on Twitter and on social media. And for Twitter, that is at matinee underscore midweek, where you can participate uh, in little games that we do every week and share screenshots of the movies that we're doing for the week uh, and all that fun stuff. Or you can head over to Facebook if you're more of a Facebook user um, and just find us, uh, which is Midweek Matinee. Follow us there. And lastly, if you would like to support the show and like what we're doing more than just with your time, which we appreciate ever so much, you can head over to patreon.com slash nartech where you get this uh, you get this show early by a week so you're a week ahead of everyone else uh, and of course at the end of every episode of content that we do we give a big shout out to all of our patrons so without further ado we'd like to thank our patrons josh Jarrell, matthew green my name is dan luke bartolomeo sean sanarud funk turkey danny villiobos Corey hickerson blake popst kevin bacon bits shadowist <laughs> steven salazar the stonard travis below Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kinney, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, and El Tabib. Thank you so much. Boom, boom, boom. I love that Kevin Bacon bit's name. That's so good. Chris laughs every damn week. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Looker, and congratulations. You have discovered the secret message. Midweek Matinee is produced and edited by Christopher Figueroa. Music is by Joshua Lago. Thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us. And lastly, please send your iTunes reviews to Old Pink, Care of the Funny Farm.